0: And we're back for another episode of Start a Puzzle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch. From growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Puzzle, brought to you by Fullscale.io and we're back another episode of startup hustle matt DeCourcy here with jason ellian who'll be sitting in for matt watson today hey jason hey matt thanks for having me i appreciate you sitting in for the esteemed master watson who, uh, the- i don't know if i can live up to it i don't know if i can it's- live up to it but i'll do my best it's tough I spend most of my day and night trying to figure out how I can and I come up short but Matt has a new baby well, so
1: congrats he yeah. says you're the brains behind the operation he's the good looking one I don't know if that's the case or not but that's what he says
0: well I appreciate that we usually both being named Matt we usually just say Matt as the reason the podcast is successful or Matt it, it really it's helpful
1: yeah uh, touche, we also
0: that works. We also openly admit that we have faces made for radio. So <laughs> Well, so, really, you
1: have me on it. So we're all we're all in the same boat here. So apparently this works. I,
0: I like it. I like it a lot. So before we get started, and I let everyone know who you are. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build a software development team quickly and affordably. With us today is Jason Ellion. Jason is the managing director of Coke Disruptive Technologies. And we've got a whole lot to talk about and a whole lot of things to disrupt. And maybe we'll even disrupt our show lineup with some amazing material. But before we get too far into disruption, you know, Jason, give us a little what's the backstory of of you as well as Coke Disruptive Technologies?
1: Yeah, well, we may get disrupted in other ways too. You know, we're working from home now, right? So my eight, 10, and 12-year-old co-workers could come running through with my 90-pound golden doodle. So just be prepared for any amount of disruption. Um, right. right now, and that's kind of part of where we are. Right, when we're talking about disrupting work and society, it's we're at this stage. So, a little background on on kind of myself and in KDT. So, I have kind of a twenty year background as a software entrepreneur. So, I've been on both sides of this. So, I've started companies, and I have the the scars to prove that. Um, which I'm sure we'll talk about how starting companies is both fun and exceptionally difficult at the same time. Um, and then the other side is about three years ago. I moved my family to Wichita, Kansas, to help uh, Chase Coke, the president of KDT, start the venture and growth arm of Coke Industries called Coke Disruptive Technologies. So, what most people don't know about Coke, um, because we're a privately held company, is that if you kind of pop open the hood underneath it, it's really built on entrepreneurship. So, even though we're you know one hundred and fifty thousand employees in sixty some countries, it was really built on the idea of startups and entrepreneurship and growing our capabilities into various areas. And we've continued to grow that over time. And so, as the company, as Coke's gotten bigger, um Chase and the senior management's vision was we really need to continue to stay connected to the best thinkers and entrepreneurs and business leaders around the world that are building next generation startups. And not only things that are disruptive to everyone else, but disruptive to ourselves as well, right? We have to be comfortable enough to disrupt what you're currently doing. And so started building KDT. It's both a venture and growth arm. So we can write checks as small as a million or as big as 500 million. And we're stage and industry agnostic, right? So we look at things in all sorts of various areas from robotics to bio IT to blockchain to uh, you name it.
0: So you mentioned moving to Wichita and, you know, for those of you that, that listen regularly, you know, we're here in Kansas city, which is not exactly a huge market, which nor is Wichita. No. Um, and, you know, when it comes to Coke Industries, a lot of people don't know that the brothers are from here, right? I mean, this yeah. is a, a Kansas based company and um, it's kind you know kind of flies under the radar, much like most things in Kansas. Uh, yeah. or I, I should say most people fly over Kansas rather than under the radar. yeah
1: um,
0: but but for those for those that might not be aware, can you give a just a little bit of background about about Coke as a company like the, and that's a largely an energy related company, is it not?
1: Yeah, so it's a really good question. so most people don't know a lot about Coke except for a few maybe snippets they've read in the media, right? so it certainly started as an energy and oil and gas company, but it, it's over, you know, decades continue to expand out and touch many parts of the economy and worldwide, even though we're headquartered in Wichita, Kansas, which the running joke is we'll invest in anything that's six plane flights away. Right. So that's really what you have to do to get out of here. Um but you know we're in in sixty countries, and even though we're here in Kansas, this is not even our largest offices. Right, we have bigger offices in Atlanta and Houston and various parts of the world, and so um, we we really are a kind of a global con- conglomerate. But if you look underneath the hood of you know a hundred and twenty billion dollar company, right, there's really you know a hundred billion dollar companies, right, and so they work as. Um, as their own in various ecosystems, and so we look at that. And, and the vision has been all along, and why I think it's been successful is that the, um, Charles has always had the vision of saying, once we become good at something, whatever that's whether that's oil and gas or that's glass or technology, how do we continue to expand our capabilities into other areas that we can also become good at over time and work with um, other subject matter experts in that area so that it creates a mutual benefit a win-win for both parties involved and that's always been the vision is just continual mutual benefit expanding our capabilities and you know also looking at disruptive platforms and technologies. so you know we will often look at things that maybe other typical corporates won't look at or invest in if we believe it has a great team it has a disruptive platform it has significant benefit to society um, we can. We're willing to absorb some of that risk and, and invest in those type of entrepreneurs and platforms, and that's how Coke's grown over time. And um, you know, a lot of a lot of credit. I would love to take credit for some of that, but really can't. It's always it's been through uh, the Coke family and all the leadership that's been here, but it continues to grow and um, extend with other other companies and entrepreneurs worldwide.
0: You know, if you if you talk to companies that have long histories, um, you know, so well, since we're on the subject of Kansas, Black and Veatch Mm -hmm. is is a good example, 120 years old. And if you talk to the to the leaders there, they'll tell you, they'll say, hey, look, we've reinvented this. We've changed. We've invested in new stuff. We've they you know, that similar approach to, hey, we're good at this, but we need to continue to be good at a lot of different stuff if we want to have 120 years of history. And. You know, I think that sometimes as entrepreneurs or businesses, it's it's easy to get become one-sided. You're like, this is what we do. And sometimes we're even trained to be really good at one thing and that's it. However, that's not how most sc- successful entrepreneurs work. Um, some do. Some are laser focused and some have what I lovingly refer to as entrepreneurial ADD. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, that meaning like you see a shiny thing and you start, oh, that's a good idea. We should chase it now. I, I have managed to get my own entrepreneurial ADD under control and, and do, you know, Matt and I do a slight bit of investing ourselves and find that that's a better use of, we can still have that ADD like quality and get behind sure. other people. Um, now, you know, the, the word disruption is such a buzzword and it's a keyword. word, for, you know, we hear so much about it. So I decided to, to look up the definition of it. And I'm going to go ahead and read that real quick. I'm not really a like reading things off the internet kind of host, but so disruptive technology is an innovation that significantly alters the way that consumers, industry, or businesses operate. A disruptive technology sweeps away the systems or habits it replaces because it has attributes that are recognizably superior. Now, I think probably the most widespread or probably one of the easiest examples of disruption in the last 10 years is looking at uber you know and the whole ride sharing thing like what's a taxi <laughs> and yeah. i mean literally took a whole industry and disrupted the whole entire thing seems a little crazy at first and it takes a little bit of maybe crazy founder vision and resources but you know if if done well it can just change i mean airbnb is another example so those yeah. two are perfect
1: examples, right? I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. So I remember um, hearing about Uber and it was called Uber Cab at the time, right? So when the, one of the first rounds of Uber went out, it went out on angel list, right? It went out to like 400 of the top investors in Silicon Valley around the world. And, you know, the pitch was, and this is how a lot of people took it. So we're going to pay somebody to get in a stranger's car and drive. People were like, that's nutty, right? Right or saying hey you want to rent out the couch at your house i mean that was airbnb that was their pitch right and people were like there's no way people are going to do this and so it wasn't just the technology i mean when you talk about st- stitching the technology together yes there was a little bit of the right timing because the technology allowed for that we've get, we've gotten to the point that technology could enable those types of behaviors but it was a really sh- it was a shift right it was a shift in culture and you know people this is why this is Um, so difficult to look into your crystal ball or imagine what the future is and why nobody's good at this, you know, 100% of the time is that we can't anticipate how everybody is going to react long-term. I remember talking to Mark Andreessen and I said, Mark, hey, you know, which which one of your deals um, did you really miss out on and you wish you would have seen? He's like, you know, I just didn't get Google when they pitched me. And I'm like, you came up with the, the, the internet browser and you didn't think no, that we were going to need to search it?
0: The founder of Netscape, right? Right. Yeah. And so
1: at that point, I'm like, okay, I have to be really comfortable that I'm going to get this wrong a bunch. Because if somebody that came up with a browser in Netscape couldn't see that we we're going to need to search this one day, then I'm going to miss a lot of this because I'm not going to be able to see completely clearly around the corner. And um, I think that's what, when it comes to disruption, right? It's like change. Everybody likes change until it's their turn. And then it becomes really uncomfortable. And so at Coke, you know, how we often talk about disruption, we we call it creative destruction, right? How do we, you know, how to what's this continuous process of iterating and improving and destroying our current business models and platform, even our own, right? So you have to get comfortable. Disruption, you know, I often joke like, you know, it's it's taking out the gun and shooting yourself in the foot. You either do that or you hand it to the market and let it shoot you in the chest. And I'm like, well, I guess I'd rather limp than die. So you have to be comfortable continuously limping and failing as you, as you look at this in meaningful ways. And so that's why I think it's important if you, you can easily get caught to your point chasing the shiny object, but the way you try to avoid that is be create, by creating principles that you can follow so that you don't just get sucked down every rabbit hole you follow the principles that are important to you and that will try to keep you between the lanes.
0: So for those of you listening, you know, I like it and we love it when you're interactive. If you want to go to coke disruptivetechnologies.com, you can get some interactive information about what we're talking about. Some of the portfolio items, some of the different stuff they do at Coke labs and some other stuff. We'll also put a link to that in the show notes. Um, you know, I, I love the whole, I, by the way, I love the term creative destruction. Um, it, sometimes you have to break something to force yourself to fix it, which is that analogy of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, yeah. And, you know, now it, it, disruption is, is an interesting thing, too, because sometimes it's things are just ripe for distru- disruption. You look at Uber, like it's such a pain in the butt to call a cab. Or find one. Or, you know, if you've ever been in in or around a big city and you're just standing there, you know, 30 minutes later, you're like, what do I do? Or you try to call and just say it was expensive. It didn't work well. And then sometimes disruption is it almost forces itself like it right now with all the work from home and different stuff like there is a massive amount of disruption and in industries and on a scale that, well, honestly, we don't fully understand yet um yesterday uh the ceo of twitter was quoted by saying my employees can work from home forever right. and i mean that that the, we're going to see a lot of disruption because of the stuff that we're dealing with right now so i mentioned like you know cabs or hotels or something uh some of those things might have been ripe for disruption and also as the technology became capable and and, you know, some of it was timing related. And then, you know, we have the situations like now. And and uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I think a company's ability to adapt and figure out when and where they can be disruptive is is pretty paramount. So, all right. So you mentioned your uh, the term industry. Can I, can I jump
1: in there? Because I think, oh, it, please, I think but, it would be. No, yeah. I just think this would be interesting. And it may be helpful to some of the listeners is, you know, I just spoke yesterday to uh, Matt Mullenwag. Matt was the founder of Automatic, which is the owner of WordPress, right? So WordPress power is what, thirty some percent of the internet right now. I mean, it's the
0: world's largest content engine, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's giant, right? So, but they've been working remote for 15 years. They're fully distributed workforce, right? So if you go to his website and it's um, ma.tt, if you go to basically Matt, ma.tt, he has um, a blog called Distributed Works 5 Level of Autonomy. So talking about how you move up the stack of being a fully distributed autonomous workforce. And um, it's just fascinating, right? Because they've been doing it for 15 years. We've all been forced into it kind of, right? It's It's been accelerated on us and companies are at different levels of being successful. But I think it's interesting to, to learn from somebody that didn't start out this way, but just found out over time that there's a, a number of uh, tools and ways to engage and ways to be human-centric that have made something like WordPress, which only has you know, you know, twelve hundred employees worldwide, but they're in you know, seventy plus countries, um, successful over time in a very different way. And if we're moving that direction, we should learn from the people that have already been there.
0: Yeah, and you know, there's been some, and still on that subject, there's been some documented successes and failures from work from home environments, like Yahoo, as one. Um, You know, Yahoo had a very, you know, really prided itself on its office culture. Then they sent everybody home to work remote. They lost a huge amount of market share, not saying that that was the reason. And then they basically said, all right, everyone, this isn't working. You need to come back in and we're going to figure some stuff out. So, yeah, it's 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 I've talked to, oh, man, uh, a countless number of people. Also, I'm really upset that I didn't know I could have possibly gotten ma.tt. Hey. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I kind of threw it out there to be like,
1: man, he's not yeah. disruptive. He should have owned that I in know. like 2003. I mean, come on, I know. right? I
0: it's know okay. the best. I, the best I did was mattdec.com, which I make no updates to and and do very little with. Um, so, all right, <laughs> you mentioned so as far as uh, co- so Coke disruptive technologies. Do you guys is this is this? Uh, treated like a uh, do you have like a fund mentality? Is there a set amount of money in there and you look for different stuff, or is it when opportunity presents itself, you look at it and you say, Hey, this is something we might want to get in on.
1: Yeah, so it's not set up as a typical fund, right? So there's not just money set aside saying, Hey, go invest in this we're We're much more opportunistic. probably, I always like to say it's not so for waiting for something to present itself, but hunting stuff down. Right. So one of the capabilities we built inside of um, KDT, which I think is different from a lot of other companies, is we've built something called Coke Labs and Coke Labs isn't a place. It's a a mental framework. And what it is, it's it's the connective tissue to reach across all of our companies, find subject matter experts and technologies and other things that need improving or ways to improve or bringing people to the forefront to, one, help us source the best deals that could be anywhere worldwide but two once we actually find something that's interesting also to engage them and say how can coke be a partner or supplier or capability provider so how do we marry these two worlds so when i was a when i was an entrepreneur it's one thing to take money it's one thing to say hey here's some capital this will help you grow your company and that's there's a value to that no question but there's exceptionally more value if you can say not only do we have capital but we have people that have strategic insights and uh, capabilities to pour rocket fuel on our company, right? To help us do things that would take us years to do in, inside of months or days or whatever it is, because of their capabilities to help us do that. So when we look at an investment, we're looking at it to say, yes, we want to we want to be successful on the financial side, right? Make a good investment. Who does who wants to lose money, right? But the other side is, how can we help that company grow? How can we help that entrepreneur accelerate? How can we help that product become more refined and hit their target market better? And if we can do those things in, additional, in addition to the capital infusion, then I think that's differentiated. And that doesn't mean we have to be the only provider either, right? There's lots of great VCs and other investors, and we want to partner with people when and where it makes sense.
0: So anytime we have investors on the show, we always ask, do you prefer the jockey or the horse?
1: that's a that's a great question right um i and so i think it's it's a little bit of a loaded question and you know it um but this is why we ask it right i mean i think at the end of the day i'm um and i think kdt is always saying we bet on great people right versus great ideas there's lots of great ideas but things change and so you have to be able to work with people that have shared vision and complementary capabilities that you can work through things. I've never been part of, I shouldn't say I never, I've rarely been part of a startup or an investment where I invested and it ended in the same place they said it was going to, right? It, it had ups and downs and went sideways and they changed business models and they changed products, like all sorts of things changed. And when you have a great team, you have great jockeys, you're able to make that change. If you have to ride that horse no matter what, I think that's challenging. So I'd say, you know, we, we lean towards the the jockeys for sure, because I think you, you just invest in people. Um, Those people have great ideas and they're continuing to change, but hopefully, you know, as Coke, we become one of the other jockeys or helping the jockey train by partnering up with them. Right. We want to come alongside them. Um, We want, we want to enhance whatever abilities that they already have. And so, probably more jockey than horse but there's certainly horses that in trends that we look at because those are things that are disruptive and it would be unwise to um to miss them
0: well the world's greatest jockey riding a mule in the kentucky derby is still not going to win but uh the only the only loaded part about that question was that the unanimous answer still today is jockey um and, you know, like you said, I think it was very well stated. There's, you know, there's great ideas everywhere. Uh, I I personally believe having having a big idea isn't the hard part. It's no. the, I, it's the execution. It's, uh, and also the foresight to, you know, you, you look at, at even the current situation. Uh, I mean, no one was predicting a global pandemic as we entered 2020. And there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of fates that are going to be determined by the leaders of the company's ability to manage change, pivot, keep people calm, make decent decisions. And that, I mean, that's all, those are all jockey related decisions. So, well, yeah. mean, Yeah. I
1: mean, we've talked about in, in, on this already, or right? we've talked about Yahoo and Google, right. And where they have both ended up. And, You have to fact check me on this but i think google was the 23rd search engine in the game right when they came out like there were 22 other ones in front of it so you can't tell me it was just the horse here right (laughs) something was different about the guys starting this and how they were thinking about it and how they planned to ride that horse and so yeah i I just think that you have to be you have to be making great um, bets on the jockeys with you know relatively right horses in an area where they're willing to make changes and they, they focus on execution because execution is key and it's really, really hard.
0: So when, all right, so still on the subject and we'll, rather than then call them jockeys, we'll just refer to founders. When looking at a founder's characteristics or traits, what are some of the things that stand out the most for you?
1: Um, That's a good question. You know, um, I'm always looking for for founders that uh, understand or intellectually honest about their strengths and weaknesses. So, what are they really good at, and who have they put around them that are good in areas where they have blind spots? So that intellectual honesty about saying, "What is your comparative advantage? What do you, Matt, are you specifically good at, and who else is on your team that complement that?" Um, I also look for is there a shared vision among these different people on this team. Um, nobody wants a company that's run by a genius and a thousand helpers. It has to be a legitimate team. And I've seen, you can use lots of sports examples. There's been teams where they don't have one superstar, but they have a lot of really good players that play great together. And they beat the team with a couple superstars because those guys don't play together. And that's, as you're talking about building large platforms, you need the team that will play together. Um, and I also think
0: there's. Yeah, I think you just described my Kansas Jayhawks there, who sometimes don't have a first round pick for a couple years in a row, but find themselves in championship games. And and you know, it's a teamwork thing. And I know they, I know they just got quoted on being in a little bit of trouble for their approach on a, on a few things. But, but yeah,
1: it's, it's a separate call on well- that.
0: Well, you know, we you know, I actually, I, I, refer to the, to the, uh, the Chicago Bulls dynasty. Cause everyone's oh Pippen and Jordan, Pippen and Jordan. Well, you know, BJ Armstrong and and these other guys were a big part of that. There had to be five guys on the court. It wasn't playing five on two. And, you know, I, th- I think a good leader and a founder bring the best qualities out and, and the people around them. And, you know, I, 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 I like it. I like people that have the ability to inspire, um, you know, and, and, and if I, but still in the end, if I had to pick one thing, if I had to pick a founder, I'd be probably because I am a salesperson and a promoter at heart. I, I go with that because you can have a great idea. You can, I've seen a lot of really awesome platforms and businesses that have no clue how to generate any revenue or any money. And, you know, you look at the history of products and other things and, and that, well, I don't know, people always use that generic VHS versus Betamax, you know, and it comes down to the ability to market, sell and promote. So, um, you know, and, and by the way, I'll call you out. Jason is quieting his coworkers right now. I can yeah, see that.
1: Yes. No, my, uh, my eight year old coworker came in and he was giving me some hand signals and I'm trying to tell him, like, not now,
0: not now. It, um, y- yes. Yesterday, one of my coworkers broke into the studio. Yes, um, and I, 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 quickly clicked the mute button and said, "Get out of here!" Yeah, um, but yeah, it happened. All part, all part of disruption. You said
1: you want to have a show about disruption. I'm just living up to it.
0: Hey, here at Startup Hustle, we're all about transparency. So you know, whether that's uh, you know, that's that's been an interesting part of. of yeah, you know, some people are like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd be great at working from home. I'd be better at working from home if my kids went back to school, but right. I'm figuring out how to do it while they're here. So yeah, you know, okay. So, so to answer
1: your question, to answer your question on, you know, the founder, I I, ha- I agree with you that, um, and go back to the the proverb: without vision, the people perish. Right. So you have to have this strong vision, and you know, you can even. Um, They often used to say Steve Jobs had this, um, you know, reality distortion field, meaning, right, he just lived in the future, right, and was always trying to get them to someplace else. And I think you have to, if you're really building something truly disruptive, um, you have to be able to think in this contrarian, breaking the status quo way in such a way that you get people to go with you. And, if you're this visionary, and a lot of visionaries, what they're not good at is they're not detailed people. They're visionaries, right? They're helping you go. Therefore, the people around them better be really good at execution and saying, how do I help? You know, Matt just put a vision out there that's 10 steps and everybody's cheering. How do I help us take the first two to then get to the next two to then get to the next two? And that's what that's what we often look for.
0: And if you're out there, you know, working on your next startup or trying to get something together, you got to find people that are good at the stuff that you're not good at. Like you just mentioned, you know, it's, uh, some of these, you know, people that are d- great at certain things, they're, they're not detail oriented. It's just not the way they're wired. So some of that, some of that transparency with yourself is understanding and defining the stuff that you're just bad at and finding someone else to get good at it. I mean, there's no, there's really no shame in that. I think one of the, the biggest, uh, uh, mistakes that early stage companies get and a lot of founders make is just trying to do too much. You know, it's like you, you mentioned, if you're not a detail oriented person, even your best job at a detail oriented task is probably subpar for someone that's actually good at that stuff. So the, des- well, the, the desktop of my laptop proves that I am not a detail oriented right. person. On many days.
1: Well, and investors are looking, I mean, one of our other key principles is just looking for humility. Meaning like, if you come in here and you tell me you have it all figured out, I probably won't invest, right? It's more of like, do you understand what you don't have figured out and why you're not doing it that way? Because we're all living I and mean, we understand it's an imperfect structure. So the question is, why are you making the bets that you are making? And why are you skipping the ones you're skipping? And do you, can you tell the difference between the two um, as you continue to grow that? And so people that have it all figured out scare me. Um, because the simple answer is they probably don't.
0: Yeah, no doubt. One of the things that scares me is when someone tells me they haven't failed. <laughs> uh, it either means you you aren't self aware enough to understand that you failed a hell of a lot, and then also I think that that it, in in the event that that hasn't occurred, uh, a lot of those a lot of people that that believe that have this bulletproof mentality and they're just going to set themselves up for a whopper failure and you get to witness. So do you agree or disagree?
1: No, no. You know, that's um, not only do we get to witness, if we're investors, we get to, and you know, we, we get to experience it with you, which is even worse. And so like, you know, failure is part of it. And not that we, I think sometimes in the startup culture, we encourage failure and it's not that we, we shouldn't necessarily encourage failure. We should, in, we should encourage absorbing the risk necessary to reach a vision that's beneficial to society. And so failure is part of that, and that's a learning process. And so we should, we should encourage the continuous learning process and understand that you have to bang into some walls and understand what you don't know and acknowledge your blind spots in order to grow something that's truly meaningful.
0: So you mentioned having discussions with Mark Andreessen and you seem well versed on on founders and in, in general. So here here's an interesting question. Is there what is the difference between being a genius and being crazy? Um, <laughs> By the way, this is a difficult question. I put you on the advanced course for this one.
1: Yeah, yeah, clearly this should be for your 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 next person on the show or the other Matt, but I'll do my best answering it. Um yeah, I, I think that um, genius is often seen in hindsight, not in not in foresight, right? Like we you often see genius long after the fact of like wow, that was brilliant. It's typically not brilliant at the time. It comes across as crazy. It comes across as a little unbalanced and you know, using the same Uber or Airbnb. I, I'm not gonna rent anybody's couch, I'm not gonna get in somebody else's car, right? Um, you know, I remember the first time somebody told me about this thing called a, a social network, right? They were, they're like, they pitched it and said, hey, you can connect with your friends. And people were like, I already connect with my friends. Why would I need a, a network or a way to do it? And so I think at the time these people came across more as crazy than genius, but really what the, what they understood was just, un, they, what they understood and were, were believing in wholeheartedly is that our behavior changes in ways that we don't anticipate and people interact in ways that, you know, we can't always see coming, but a great founder is going to find an area that he or she wholeheartedly believes that just there's a better way to do this. There's a better way for us to experience life. There's a better way for us to have this product and service. And I am going to help us go down this path, understanding that I don't have all the answers there, but that hopefully my experiences and bringing the right people along will help us get there. And so, yeah, it comes across more as crazy on the front side and genius on the back side. So I think it's opening the door, right? On one side of the door, it says crazy. On the other side of the door,
0: it says genius. I've been asking that question for years to different people, and including people that are considered geniuses or crazy. I I think you hit the nail on the head, by the way, that's the usually the the best responses are the it's in hindsight. Um, I I think that anybody that's had that's done something big, like you mentioned, you kind of go through the crazy phase, you know, where people are uh, and okay, and the last couple things that I've done that have been big, or I've done well at, I literally had people close to me, they're like, dude, this is never going to work. You're crazy, blah, blah, blah. You're crazy to quit your job and do a startup. You're crazy to do this. Like this idea is no good. And you're like, well, I think it might work out. And almost to the point where I've used that, That's uh, it, it's almost like a, a signal marker in the timeline. It's like, okay, have people told me that I'm crazy yet? Because yeah. either this isn't that great of an idea, or I just haven't evolved it yet. So, well, and if
1: you haven't found yourself up at like one o'clock in the morning asking yourself the same question, maybe I am crazy, right? Like, then you probably haven't gone that far out on the ledge yet. Because there's been multiple times that I and other founders that have been around have like, you know, literally got up in the middle of the night or not been able to sleep and say, like, am I on the wrong path? or Am I on the right path? Like, you, you have to talk yourself back. Because have I made all that?
0: every decision i've made been a mistake am i going broke am i crazy you yes. know like was this all a bad idea you know it's and and by the way until you get past that point which i in my book million dollar bedroom i refer to for many people as that coin toss moment mm-hmm. where and you have it in every business you're like i'm gonna flip this coin and heads i'll keep doing it and if it's tails i won't mm-hmm. yeah and the, the trick is you just have to find a, a two-headed quarter and then you're good. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you have to be honest with yourself. Meaning, entrepreneurship
1: is not for everybody. This is no. there's a lot of people that are probably listening to this. But they should not start a company because you are not going to, to be. You
0: know it. You know it. Like right. if you don't, if you're like I might be able to be an entrepreneur. Nope. You know it. It's like in your DNA. Okay, so once again with us today Jason Elliott, the managing director of Coke Disruptive Technologies. You can learn more about what they do at Coke that's k o c h disruptivetechnologies.com. Find links in the show notes and some other great links as well. So Jason, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Now as that's we great. as we as we wrap up here, what is principled entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah. So I think this goes back to some of the things we've we've talked about earlier. I think principal entrepreneurship is that, you know, that's that leadership with aligned vision and values and complementary capabilities, right? So when when you asked the question earlier of, you know, how do you, what do you look for is we're looking for that team that has this aligned vision, right? That they share the same values and how they're going to operate that company. And then they have complementary skill sets to actually make it work. And so you're looking for that principled entrepreneurship, that principled team approach to how they're going to do it. And go back to our sports analogy, right? Like if your Kansas Jayhawks, half of them were playing zone and the other half were playing man to man, we got a problem, right? No, not and so. And well, that's, unless it's
0: a plan, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and sometimes that works out by accident, but not very often, right? So, you know, you got to be on the same page and, you know, we we want to test and poke on those things to see, are the are the leaders on the same page and are they hiring the right people around them to uh cover up their blind spots and so i mean it's the same thing in marriage too right my wife is good good and great at things that i'm not and hopefully i'm bringing those same you know capabilities to the table and together we you know we can help parent our kids because we're bringing different skill sets but we got to stay on the same page which means we have to over communicate not just communicate we have to over communicate And we have to make sure we sit down and say, okay, here's the vision. What are the mile markers where we're going to measure this off to make sure we're heading the same direction? Same thing in business.
0: Yeah. I've I've been married twice, both to women named Jill. The first one was very much like me. Didn't work out. Second one, not at all. Very different. And, you know, much like a good co-founder and I just, we just celebrated our seventh anniversary this on Monday and Thank you. I'm so much better at it the second try, by the way, but, (laughs) but, you know, but you're right. And the the part of what has made all of it work is, you know, my wife is not totally extroverted and she appreciates that quality in me. And because she's not extroverted, she can also put up with my extroverted nature on many days. So Mm -hmm. it takes, it takes patience to put up with an entrepreneur. And You know, that's actually a great, uh, a great point because, you know, your co-founders aren't always the people that you're in the business with or the people that are in and around your life too. And, you know, I, I, every anniversary, I usually apologize to my wife for my continued entrepreneurship Um, because it's a lot to deal with. You mentioned that, like, you know, being up at one in the morning, well, how about one, three, four? Yeah. whatever. And, you know, if, and for me, it, it required someone that, you know, I, I have a bit of a mad scientist quality to me on some days. And I can say, Hey, I'm going to go lock myself in that room upstairs and I will be out later. <laughs> and, you know, having someone that can, that can back you up and, and help you there. So, you know, there's, there's more co-founders, there's there's more to successful co-founders than than uh, always meets the eye. Okay, so we usually end startup hustle with what we call the founders freestyle, which we ask founders to give advice to other founders, just whatever they want to offer. You're a founder slash investor, so I'm going to give you a two-headed a, a two-headed uh, question here. Sweet. Uh, what advice would you give any founder you mentioned industry agnostic so you can keep it however you want and also as someone who is on the check writing side of things what advice would you give that founder who is trying to get someone to write them a check
1: yeah so uh, a couple things first thing i would say is to your point um if you've if you're building a company and you want to go, or if you want to go build a company, just know that entrepreneurship and being a founder, it's not, it's not just a career choice. It's a life choice, right? It, it changes all parts of your life, affects everybody in your life. You are going to be up to your point one in the mornings and having coffee with somebody in London, and you're going to be all over the place because that's, that's how it works. And so not everybody's set out to do that. So understand that up front. Second piece is build that right team understand who you are and who you need to put around yourself to to get that right team and then it's, it's kind of simple in the third piece but you you really want to think big but start small so if you want people to write checks they've got to have they've got to attach themselves to a significant vision they want to be part of something big and significant they want to be they want to be they want to experience this with you so include them but also understand that you have to have the operational executional chops to walk them to that, right? You're not just going to be able to leap over to it. You've got to, you got to start small on how you're going to get there. You know, it's kind of basic that way, but that's, that's what I've seen be successful multiple times. And the last piece I would say is you can do all of that, right? And still fail. You can do all of that and it can still not work. And that's part of, it's part of entrepreneurship, right? It's part of building into the ecosystem and, and guess what? If if you burn, if your whole company and your whole idea burns to the ground, that may be fertile soil for the entrepreneur behind you. That helps them grow it next time, and you get to be part of that either, you know, ancillary or directly. And so things rarely turn out the way you expect them.
0: Well said, sir. Well said. Once again, with us today, Jason Elliott, the managing director of Coke Disruptive Technologies. Check out the show notes. You can. Go see what they do, ask them for a large check, come with a good idea. Um, as I close this episode out, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna parlay off some of the things that you said. I think from a founder's perspective, you have to understand that it's not easy. This the entrepreneurship and being a startup founder is not for the faint of heart. It will test every part of you as a human. Um, I mean, and I mean it. It's just grueling on so many days. Now, if you can get through that. You might get to experience what you've always dreamed of, but you know it's it's really not easy. We've spent, oh gosh, I, I can't even count that high as far as how many episodes we've had on that. Now, as far as the investor stuff goes, if' you're, if you're seeking if you are seeking funding, don't be afraid to go into a room and sell people on your big vision. I think too many people, they pull up to that table, they finally get that meeting and they're like, yeah, we need this tiny amount of money because we're going to do this tiny, tiny thing. Boring. It's not going to get anyone's attention. You know, like the, the real relationships, investment and disruption that is possible and out there has big things around it. And, you know, and, and, you know normally, we end the episode after this, but i'm I'm curious if you'll if you'll confirm that for me because, like I you know everybody I know that works on the investment side of business wants to hear about your big vision. Don't be afraid. It might sound wild. You might sound like you're a genius or you're crazy, but go in there with passion and talk about your big vision, yeah,
1: no, I think it's right. I think you you also need to know your audience, know who you're talking to, right? Like, know what their passion is, where they're trying to invest, how you can be part of it. And, you know, over the 25 plus years I've been in this space, I've also realized I've walked into investment meetings. They clearly I, I've certainly had more meetings where they didn't want to invest than they did. And if you walk out of there but they they didn't want to invest but they like you, they like the vision, you don't know when your roads are going to intersect again, right? And so now you have somebody else in your network, another node that can bring talent, that can bring money, that can bring other opportunities that may be your third deal that you come back to them on. And so don't be so short-sighted that you got to close every meeting and every one of them is going to be a win on the the money side alone because you're not just trying to raise money, you're building relationships.
0: Yeah, you've got about a 1% chance of success in those meetings. I mean, that's, that's uh, and that might be high. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and the, I mean, the people I know that are best at raising money, they they're like, Hey, look, I'm going to need 150 meetings to get someone to write me a check. So I better get started. Yes. <laughs> On that right. note, I'm going to go try to figure some stuff out. I feel I, I, I feel invigorated. So thanks. thanks you for thing. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. You're welcome. Time. Thanks for having me.